G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Merch. Today, the full edit of a conversation with a duo known as Beryl, but once known as Brian. We'll get to that in a moment. And also, to let you know, next episode we'll be catching up with Grant McLennan award-winning Jack Bratt. The latest single back in December of last year was called Time Around. Alex and Gabs of Beryl join us now. Folks, welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you for having us. Why Brian Odds but Beryl Time Around? Was it just a searchability thing? I think that Brian was a kind of hazardous, quick decision. We both hate like coming up with names, just like we had already written music, but the thought of coming up with a name was really painful. So we just picked Brian and then we released the song. We sat with it, didn't like it, but liked the idea. And then I had some chickens. One was called Cheryl, one was called Beryl. And then we just thought Beryl was like a name that had a similar vibe, but we just liked, like just liked the sound a bit more. It wasn't a super thought through like change, but because we and only released one song, we were like, oh, well, we'll just change it now because we have a couple more like coming. That's why. That's the change. Does that mean we'll see odds appearing on a Beryl EP or album into the future? Has that song got longevity? I mean, it could be released again, but it was definitely like our first like baby kind of attempt to just like recording and arranging. Yeah, I think, I think that's the extent of, of odds. It's just going to remain on the internet under Brian forever. Okay. Yeah. But they, yeah. it'll be up there. <laughs> People are there. like, we love that song. Maybe <laughs> we'll bring it back. All right. Well, let's chuck the song in the show notes because it may be a little tricky to find because it is called Brian. Beryl just seems so much easier to search as well in terms of a band name. Of course, there's the Brian Jones massacre that comes up first. Speaking about massacres, what is the future for Cheryl and Beryl? Will they become dinner or will they be set up into lights? I actually, we were thinking about including Beryl in a music video in the future, uh, but <laughs> for the time being... For the time being, they're going to be alive there. They're, they're just living their best life now in um, where my family is from, which is in mainland, and they're living with my auntie because we live in Sydney and it was a bit grim for them here. They're not dinner, they're just, yeah, uh, just on a just chicken egg, holiday. Egg purposes. <laughs> Any sort of jealousy that Cheryl's showing? I mean, truly, she might be a bit, she might be a bit cut, but we picked Beryl because... How important is fashion to Beryl the band? Mm. I wouldn't say it's the most important thing. I think that it's probably the only thing visually and aesthetically that I found easy to work with for like our photos and stuff, mainly just because I think the reality is, is as much as like it would be great to just focus entirely on the music. We did need photos and we did need to create some sort of visual, especially because of like Instagram and like social media being such a huge platform for musicians these days. And so I guess conveniently, we kind of just close friend and also the person that we work with, Nicole Wong, she is originally like a fashion photographer. And so that's kind of why we have such like, kind of immaculate outfits that are from like really cool brands it's just because she has lots of connections and we kind of worked with her for the shoots to be like well we might as well take advantage of like 
having access to really nice clothes. But I wouldn't say it's super important. But I would like yeah. to I would like to run through and give a bit of a shout out to some of these if you don't mind. Hopefully you've enjoyed wearing all of these. But the the HB archive chore pants and chore coat. Now that chore coat, it's hard to find a decent coat that says I'm here. Alex, how did you feel wearing the chore coat? I felt like very comfortable in it. I think the the great thing about the clothes that we had, um HB archive. Um, the person that like makes the clothes and designs them is from Melbourne. Her name's Holly. And I think she's just really great. Like she does a lot of kind of gender neutral clothing. She was like lovely enough to send us samples. And then we kind of styled them up. I feel like, yeah, she just makes clothes that are like very wearable and comfortable. And she also just made us look way uh, less dorky than we really are. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I thought it looked really cool. And the other shout out, we'll move on. So that's something more comfortable for you to talk about. But that choker tee that looks like a cape, but you're not wearing a cape. From the front, it looks like a cape. You know, okay, there's going to be this huge cape at the back. And then it's like, oh, it's a shirt. Okay. Talk us through the Romantic Studios, um, Sharon's work, and then we'll move on to some music questions. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, because again, this was like through Nicole's kind of connections in the industry. I had seen her clothes before through like Instagram and she just does really like interesting pieces. And so it was kind of like a an obvious choice, I guess, to work with, work with her as well. Uh, and she was also kind enough to like send us through some stuff because that was our first shoot for the project. And I think we just got really lucky in terms of... Um, through Nicole first shoot just ended up looking I think probably a lot better than what we would have imagined before going into the process of shooting Alex let's talk about you just for a little bit the Gwana choirs that you're in as a child what was your experience with them because Sally Whitwell is I'm a huge fan of her music I don't know if you know Sally's work choir was probably the first place that I encountered music um, as a kid and I think probably yeah, like Sally, like you mentioned, is, is a great musician. She was my accompanist for in the choir for quite a while um, and a couple of the choirs that I was in there. And that early exposure to choral music and singing generally, I think, influenced some of the, like, arranging styles in our music, I guess. I kind of approached to um, making music. And then I think also, I mean, I don't, I'm not really singing very much these days. I do a, a bit of backing vocals, but... I think probably more so what I took out of that was just um, the the training, like the classical training of the music and learning about harmony and theory and that kind of thing. And then have applied some of those skills to to arranging it in our, in our stuff. But I guess more of that arranging style is just kind of influenced by a lot of like artists that we both listen to more so. How much did jazz improvisation play a part of that moving forward? Um, in terms of Beryl or just, just generally? In terms of your input towards Beryl, I guess, in terms of the composition and that sound that you want, because if people haven't already heard the song, the wind section on this is a real standout, and I think that's connected to your background in jazz improvisation, if not in its form, in its heart, in its melody. Yeah, definitely. So my um, main instrument is saxophone. And I guess I've also, I've since since picking up the saxophone, I've also been learning clarinet and flute. What I was trying to do in, in some of the in the in the arrangements in time around was kind of apply 
um, kind of like, I guess, like you said, like a choir style approach to playing music. Um, so, yeah, I think that was definitely, definitely a part of it. And then I think also just with our songwriting process, I, I feel like a lot of what we do together when we're writing songs is, is start by improvising, kind of like trying to figure out chords and things. And then from that comes melody. As the pieces become more and more structured, we move very far away from that improvising. You could say that like harmony and, and aspects of jazz have influenced both of our, our approaches. My training has been more so in, in classical and jazz, um, but I think that a lot of what, what I listen to now is, is not either of those things. It's more so a lot of singer-songwriters and, and, and folk musicians and things like that. When, I'm, when, we're, when we're both thinking about how we want to approach songs, we're not thinking about jazz, mm -hmm. but it definitely, I guess it's, it's inevitable that that would influence some things. What musical influences have built you to where you are now to work into the barrel sound? Well, I, I mean, I didn't start as young musically as Alex, but I did, I'm currently at the con doing the same course, so the jazz course at the Sydney con. So I think that inevitably, if you're studying a genre of music, it seeps into your work, whether you want it to or not. But I would say my influences, and I guess our influences for this project would be, we both really love Julia Jacqueline, Aldous Harding, uh, Phoebe Bridges, uh, Elliot Smith. For me, so much of my probably like a musical education has just been through listening and consuming music up until the past couple of years. And so I think lots of the influences in this project are just like a lot of folk artists and singer-songwriters. What was the drive musically for Beryl to be created? I think probably originally, because we both met Con um, doing the jazz course, I think probably a lot of what, I think what we, what we kind of came together on was just listening to like similar kinds of music, both being interested in singer-songwriter music and kind of feeling pretty I guess probably some angst about <laughs> our time uh, just just being at the con and, and studying jazz and wanting to get away from that that was kind of the starting point was just initial conversations about music that we both liked and then from there we just got together a few times and started writing together did you enter the course with a dream or an aspiration for that kind of music or was it a means of some other element that you joined the course I I like wasn't planning on pursuing music. I did a different degree straight out of high school in political science. And then I just got some lessons for fun with the teacher who was the head of the jazz, like singing department. Uh, and she just said that I should audition. I was having a bit of like a, I don't know, early 20s life crisis. So I did. <laughs> and then I got in, which was very random. Uh, and so I went because I just was like, well, that was lucky. <laughs> For me, I went to the con because I had never studied music in a very, like, hadn't studied music in a rigorous way. I thought it would be a good opportunity to like hone in on being able to have musical skills. Like I couldn't read music, didn't really write music, didn't sing that much, only really sung for fun. But I didn't have aspirations of like moving to New York or being a jazz singer. I didn't really, definitely did listen to some jazz, but I was not a... Um, I didn't have those versions, but Alex is like the opposite. I kind of came straight out of high school and then went into the jazz course kind of with an aspiration to, to play jazz music for a living, which was, I guess, 
it's not where I'm not where I'm sitting now in terms of um, the genre, but I think so the con is this is this like point at which to get in, into the jazz scene. And I think um, after being in a course for four years and studying jazz, just coming to terms with like how how out of context as a musician for jazz music um, and how it didn't really make sense for me to follow that. Um, and also just the kind of rigorous academic approach to music making, which kind of, I guess, yeah, pushed, pushed me away from that. And But yeah, definitely when I started at the con, I was like, I'm going to move to New York and become a jazz saxophone player. <laughs> That's not how I feel these days. Gabs, you didn't want to necessarily be there, but you're willing to explore. And Alex, you were already there, but you were thinking about heading away at the time. And this sounds very much like the waves of life. So let me ask you, what is the attraction, if at all, to waves and the water? I don't know. I think that everything is an experience and those experiences can inform who you are and also conveniently what you write musically. So I think that both of our experiences at the con have helped in some ways shape this project and what we do and don't like musically and what we do and don't like collaboratively in terms of not just like the music, but also how we collaborate. Were you referring to the, the use of waves and water in, in our lyrics or was it? Yeah, I was. I guess because we live in Sydney, um, we spend a lot of time trying to avoid the city, which means we're spending a lot of our time by the sea. So I guess, yeah, that influences a lot of the lyrics and also just a lot of the imagery in, in, in our shoots because we have shot down by the beach in, in quite a few locations around Sydney, but not in Sydney. Like the imagery is often in environments that are outside of the city. I didn't grow up in the city, so I think that I would find it challenging to draw on a lot of the imagery in cities because I don't necessarily thrive in them. And I think in terms of imagery that is healing, like I just think that anywhere that's like scenic and often, I guess, in the Australian context, that can be the ocean. It's just like an obvious. There also seems to be the sense of renewal as well, that water can bring that fresh approach. I mean, when I was writing the lyrics, Like in my mind, I was kind of referencing a place that we like go to often, which is like a beach, essentially. In our lyrics, there's a lot of like references to water. And like, I think the next one we have coming out, there's like more references to water. I often reference the color blue, giving away all of my tropes. Because I definitely think that imagery around water can mean so many different things. But Depending on how I'm feeling on the day, Mm. it might mean one thing, but then to someone else, it could definitely mean more. Let's talk about the broader outfit, because whilst you are the duo singer-songwriter and the core of where the barrel sound is coming from, for the track, Time Around, there's a lineup of Blaine, Josh and Abby, and I've got Blaine down as the recorder and mixer of it. And then you've got Philip Shaw Bovar as the mastering. Just firstly, can you talk us through the lineup? Blaine, who is the guitarist, and also who's been recording us from the very beginning, I guess, from Odds, recorded that whole single in his home studio. Then we've gone on to do the next three three singles with him. Abby, Constable on the drums, and Josh, Spolk on the bass. In terms of the process with them, we kind of arrange a lot of the things prior to coming into the studio or working with with them, but of course they all add their own approaches to all the parts that we write for them. 
And then there's been quite a long process with each of these singles in terms of the mixing process and kind of arranging that happens after we're initially in the studio, a lot of which we do with Blaine. And then, yeah, of course, Philip Shaw Bova, who's been doing mastering for us. For the coming singles, are we going for the same sort of soundscape because it's the same team behind it or are we going to hear a bit more rock or a bit more quiet? Musically, they kind of are pretty different. So the next track that we have coming out, I guess quite quite different to Time Around in a lot of ways. It's a little bit sadder. Probably a bit more um, open sounding, a bit, bit less folk rocky kind of sounding and I'm probably more influenced by I guess in some ways it's, it's a bit jazzy, but it's also um, quite poppy. The single we have later, coming out later in the year, is quite stripped back. So it's just voice and guitar and saxophones. Yeah, much more open sounding, a bit more folk influence, um, but in some ways not. Gabs, what do you feel or sense when you hear Alex playing the saxophone? Didn't necessarily always gravitate towards the saxophone. Uh, it was a pretty foreign instrument to me when I started at the con. I was like, what is that? Alex is like a very, very good musician. And I think that he plays the tenor saxophone, which I I preference out of all of the saxophones. I guess like ultimately, like Alex is an excellent arranger. He has tons of ideas. And I think that what's great about his saxophone playing it's probably just like this this skill set that he brings to barrel, which is like being able to hear instrumentation that I wouldn't think of. Like I wouldn't think to make a clarinet or saxophone choir. It would not appear in my mind straight away. And so I think that often we're workshopping his saxophone playing as it fits with the song, but I think it's pretty good. And like he's like it depends on like because he does so much saxophone playing in context where it's like straight up saxophone. And I guess with Beryl, it's not exactly like he's soloing behind. But I think it's really great. It adds a really interesting element to our arrangements that I think kind of gives us a nice, nice sound. I had the pleasure before this chat of seeing you two playing those standards where you're saying it's just stock barrel doing, doing the motions. I'm like, but still there's some sort of harmony, some sort of cohesion between you two playing the standards, apart from the, the the commanding sound of Gab's vocals, what is about Gab's vocals that you admire? Um, I think lots of things. I think the main thing when I first heard Gab sing was probably just Gab's approach to like conveying emotion and vibrato, um, phrasing, all of these things that like I feel like the way that Gabriella sings is really evocative. A lot of music tends to be pretty, like, I think I think a lot, especially probably from coming from a place like the con, I feel like a lot of the music that I've been exposed to has been very intellectual and academic and, and kind of removed from emotion and, and, and the original thing that the music should be about. One of the main things that I admire about the way that Gabriella sings is just an approach to, like, conveying emotion, both through lyrics but also just through expressive techniques and those kind of things. It's my fault if I've I've been leaning into the jazz thing a bit. That's just my years of jazz background and all that sort of stuff. So apologies if I'm putting that lens over both of you as musicians a bit too much. But from that and everything else that you've brought, that new sound that is coming through as well. And I was going to ask you about influences. You've touched on a bit. Alex, I want to give you a bit more freedom to talk about that as well and those other influences that you had from 
the early years of the choir to now. And Gabs, if you want to chip in with some of your own as well. People that I've been influenced by in the past um, would be a lot of um, folk music. I guess a few years ago, I was very, very invested in like more like older styles of folk music, a lot of bluegrass, um, Irish folk and that kind of thing. Um, and then obviously jazz, a lot of improvised music, like free improvised music, mostly jazz from like the 60s and 70s, free jazz and that kind of thing. Earlier than that, I would say that, yeah, choir kind of influenced my musical journey and I guess some classical music here and there. But the main the main influences, I think, are those kind of more recent singer-songwriters for Beryl. But obviously, yeah, yeah, I think that everything that you're exposed to kind of influences everything that you do. So it's kind of hard to escape all of those earlier people that I've listened to. I noticed by the time this chat goes out, you've played at Lazy Bones with a couple of locals, including Skinny Legions, I think they're called. Talk to us about some of these local acts that you're getting on board to support you with your music. Like, I mean, we played with them because we both like respect that. So the people behind those groups is Liv and Glenn, Glenn of Skinny Legions and Liv of Romeo. I think we both respect them as musicians tons. We're also like friends with them. Um, and they have, I think, a different, like, it's a bit of a different genre, but I think that's what makes, like, playing shows with people fun is that, like, everyone kind of has slightly different aesthetics. So that's why we we went with them, just because they're good musicians and we like their music. <laughs> yeah, we could musically relate enough, but not to the point where the the show was successive bands that were very similar, like there was diversity in the music, but also kind of that it made sense to, to have those bands together. What is that plan for the next couple of years? What have you got on your horizon as a duo? Um, I think, <laughs> I'm not sure if we, we've been looking, we've, we've planned the, the next few years, definitely for this year, we've got two more singles coming out. And then I guess just continuing to record and perform. We have been working on a lot of new music and, and writing and arranging some newer stuff, but are yet to go to the studio and record any of that. So I guess, yeah, the, the main things are those two singles and then just, just continuing to, to perform and, and hopefully play with more musicians and kind of just expand um, what we're already doing. Do you perceive, and you've been around for long enough to know this, do you perceive that your particular sound, you will need to go overseas and crack some sort of European market, then bring it back? Or are you confident that Australia is maturing in such a way that such a diverse sound can be respected? I think we can really tell yeah I think, I think it's hard to say it's pretty new still so I guess like I, I mean there are definitely artists that are based locally that I think that we're not so far from musically but it's so hard to say so I guess we'll just see where it goes and mm. then if we must move we will <laughs> yeah I think yeah it's, it's pretty hard to say the thing the things about the Australian music scene is I think it's great that there's so much different things going on but it is also quite a like a small scene and there's not many kind of channels for music to, to, go, to go out on in Australia. But also there is tons of, yeah, diversity in the music, lots of different things going on. It's quite hard to, to, to say what, what will happen. Now is that time where image is so important for bands and we know this and it's got to do with the gram, it's got to do with the talk, it's all that kind of stuff. But for you guys personally, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about fashion and image being so relevant 
these days to what essentially should be about the music? I don't think we're, I mean, I think it's difficult because you kind of have to be good at multiple things as just a musician. So like you have to be like a model and like very good at visuals, very, very active on social media, which we're both terrible at. Um, So I would say that it is challenging in some ways. I don't think it's, it's not an inherently bad thing for like me personally. And I do think Alex would agree. It's probably challenging having to focus quite a bit on your image, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like pretty introverted and like not super into kind of displaying Mm. uh, yourself all over the internet. And having to make a brand. I think that that is probably something that has probably always existed, but I think it exists to quite an extreme now, which is something that I think we're just adjusting to. Yeah, definitely. I think that... It's it's weird having to do all of these other things when 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 ideally like ideally for me personally at least it's like I would prefer if we could just make the music and, and let it speak for itself but that's not the way that the, the industry exists anymore social media and all of these things it's it's pretty overwhelming and pretty stressful to work with because you do have to just kind of show this this version of yourself and focus on visual aesthetic and so many different things as well as the music that it's like just so much more than what it used to be, I guess. But I guess it hasn't been like that for a long time. Alex and Gabs, thanks very much for joining Radio Notes. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much to Beryl and fortuitously, I guess based upon the last thing we were speaking about, a delay to the feed of this chat because we've been waiting for an image from the said group. But it's all cool. To the show notes where the image is, you can also find those last two singles that we're talking about, the last two for 2021. Next time. Luckily, I'm able to turn that uncertainty into lyrical content, which creates music i'm lucky to do that so even in those moments where i'm having a rough trot with thinking like what what am i doing you know why am i still kind of banging my head against the wall here it it often results in a positive grant mclennan recipient jack bratt